Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. All right, hello, welcome. Another week, another fun, action-packed edition of the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo, Fansided's NFL insider. A little bit later on, I'll be joined by New York Giants linebacker Cam Brown and Detroit Lions fullback Jason Cabinda. A lot to talk about with those two, both in the NFL, some of the biggest storylines of the week and the upcoming season, and a little bit of a preview of of the Penn State Nittany Lions upcoming season this fall. A lot more to get into as well. But as always, if you like what you hear on the podcast, I'd really love it if you would subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store or on Spotify. Any of your favorite podcast platforms, just search for Stacking the Box, an NFL podcast. You get Stacking the Box with Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam on Tuesdays and the Matt Lombardo Show here every Friday. And really, when you look ahead to the 2021 NFL season, so many storylines to get into, but one that's just kind of flying underneath the radar in my opinion is the fact that this is going to be a really telling year for how some young teams feel about their young quarterbacks and it's a really good time in my opinion with training camps coming up next month to take some stock of the big four quarterbacks that were chosen in the 2018 NFL draft and really the climate around those four quarterbacks and the way that they're perceived has really changed because leading up to the NFL draft that year, it was the Sam Darnold show and everybody else. Just think back to how shocked and stunned people were that the Cleveland Browns took Baker Mayfield number one and Sam Darnold fell past the New York Giants at number three to the Jets. And Darnold, of course, no longer in New York. He's now the next hope of the Carolina Panthers with Joe Brady and head coach Matt Rule. And, you know, the best of the bunch might be Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and, of course, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Lamar, of course, already has an MVP under his belt. He's led the Baltimore Ravens to the postseason each of his first three years, got off the playoff schneid last January, beating the Titans in the wild card round in Tennessee, and... While he's really known as a runner and a dual-threat quarterback with close to 3,000 rushing yards to his name, he's still a 64% passer as well, and they have some nice weapons there in Baltimore around him at the receiver spot. But you just look at this group and you look at this class, Josh Allen has a rocket launcher for an arm. He's gotten better each of his first three seasons, and when you talk to quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators around the NFL, some are still really shocked that he wasn't the number one overall pick based on talent back in 2018. Now, some of that might be revisionist history, but some guys who were training with Josh Allen leading up to that draft are still surprised and a little bit miffed that he wasn't the number one overall pick. But either way, I think the Browns and the 
Buffalo Bills have to be just over the moon thrilled with their two quarterbacks. Allen already has 9,700 passing yards, 67 touchdowns through three seasons. Baker Mayfield over 11,000 yards, 70 touchdowns with arguably, some people believe, the premier wide receiver duo in the league, but certainly a top five or so pairing when healthy when you think about the combination of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. And of this quarterback class, Baker Mayfield and Allen probably have the most upside from here. A lot of question marks still remain about Lamar Jackson and certainly one of the great unknowns in the entire league, even this far into his career, is Sam Darnold, especially when it comes to protecting the football. But both Allen and Jackson have won playoff games. Allen took the the Bills to an AFC title game last season. And one longtime personnel executive tells me that he has Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield as two quarterbacks that he would love to build around for a couple of simple reasons. This executive says he believes that Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield have the arm talent and the upside and the consistency to really improve from here and that they're far more consistent, in his opinion, than Lamar Jackson. And this executive believes that Lamar and the Ravens, from a schematic standpoint, have kind of been figured out. The teams have figured out how to beat Lamar Jackson. This is going to be a bit of a telling year for Lamar taking that next step. And this same executive says that Sam Darnold's a dark horse of the group because he's such an unknown, but getting to work with Joe Brady this season gives him some upside. We'll see about that. I'm not all that bullish on Sam Darnold. I think that he kind of is what he is, but look at what Joe Brady did to Joe Burrow when they were at LSU together. It's a different ball game rebuilding a quarterback in the NFL versus building him from the ground up, even in the SEC. But if Darnold cuts down on the turnovers, if he can show that he's improved, then he can really make strides this season. And, you know, you think back to this spring, you had Ravens head coach John Harbaugh come out and flat out say during Ravens minicamp, quote, Lamar is going to get paid. He knows that. And that a contract extension is basically, quote unquote, a done deal. So Harbaugh's comments really got me thinking here of this group where you have Sam Darnold, who kind of belongs on the periphery of this particular conversation because the Panthers, if they win nine or so games this year, if they win nine or 10 games, they're competitive in the NFC South, which I think is a bit of a Herculean lift when you have to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice a year with Tom Brady. But if they're better and Darnold's the reason that Carolina is better, well, guess what? Sam Darnold's going to get paid $25 million a year because the Panthers have to do something at quarterback and they're not going to be nearly bad enough to get to the top of the board to get one of the top quarterbacks in this draft class and they need to lock up their young quarterback there. But Harbaugh's comments kind of got me thinking, what is the rest of the league thinking about the quarterbacks from the 2018 class? And I had a current personnel director tell me today, just before sitting down to record the podcast, that if he were starting a franchise from scratch and he had to take one of the quarterbacks from the 2018 NFL draft class that he'd take, quote, Josh Allen, and there isn't really a clear second choice from that bunch, unquote. And called up a head coach, had a long conversation, and he had a really similar sentiment when he told me that he'd love to have Josh Allen is the quarterback of his team because he has the biggest arm from this group, lots of mobility, and he has lots of upside, more upside than any of these four quarterbacks, unquote. So the question then becomes, in my opinion, 
what's it going to cost to get these deals done? Because you're going to have the salary cap ballooning next year, maybe as high as 202 to 220 million in cap space next season. Teams are going to have a lot more money to spend on the back end of these deals once the new TV rights contracts kick in and that money starts to flow into the league beginning in 2023. So you, you start to make some calls. You start to ask around, what's it going to cost? And I spoke to an agent who told me it is a stone cold mortal lock that Josh Allen gets paid as one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL when his extension gets done. And this agent says he thinks it could be $40 million plus per year for Josh Allen. And he says Lamar Jackson is the toughest one to decide. He loves Allen because he is the big arm, he's mobile, and he's the face of an organization that's really turned it around over the last couple of years. And they have the pieces in place. You think about Stephon Diggs. You think about all the talent on defense that they've built over the last couple of offseasons. He hinted that he has no reason to believe this is going to be the case. But there's a very legitimate chance that Allen might even leave some money on the table to keep the band together, looking around at how close they were to knocking off Kansas City in that AFC Championship game, and the fact that they might be the biggest threat to the Chiefs getting to a Super Bowl for the next couple of years looking down the line here. So if that's the case, and they can keep building in Buffalo around Josh Allen, even if he's paid like a top three or a top 10 quarterback, they're so young, and Sean McDermott is such a good head coach that they're going to be a team to watch really Bill's Mafia is for the foreseeable future. So it's really going to be fascinating to watch how these negotiations unfold for the Bills and Josh Allen, for the Browns and Baker Mayfield, and of course for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I think Mayfield is a guy that could probably get a top five contract as well. And these numbers are just going to completely continue to go up and up and up because every new deal resets the market. Patrick Mahomes reset the market for Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott is probably going to be not necessarily the benchmark where these negotiations begin but these quarterbacks are going to want to get and their agents are going to want to get within a couple of million dollars of that number and who knows if the Bills let this drag on going into this year and Josh Allen has another strong season where he's a top five quarterback Allen might be top three as that agent said he might go down as signing the highest paid contract among quarterbacks in the league going to be a lot of fun to watch throughout this season and into the regular season as long as these negotiations drag on coming up next we'll chat with Detroit Lions fullback Jason Gabinda and New York Giants linebacker Cam Brown about their upcoming seasons the future of their respective positions which are both really evolving in terms of how they're used across the NFL and their take on a possible bounce back season for their alma mater and a program that's near and dear to my heart and my wallet the Penn State Nittany Lions up next right here on the Matt Lombardo show inside fan-sided stacking the box podcast feed you're the one who protects the flock and that requires an eye for detail because when safety and well-being are on the line it's the details that can save lives even when no one else is watching you see everything Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. This is going to be a lot of fun. couple of former Penn State legends couple of well one's a former linebacker one's a linebacker Giants linebacker Cam Brown and Lions fullback Jason Cabin to join me guys how's it going today it's going well it's going real well enjoying my time out here 
Doing our day in New York, man. I see that. You guys were out shopping around. Well, take me through your day up there in New York today. I had a nice little day. Um, you know, we got to walk away with a lot of gear. Got to meet with some people from different companies, uh, kind of their NYC headquarters. Uh, so really good deal, you know, cool kind of marketing opportunity, that kind of stuff. And obviously promotion with through social media, all that kind of stuff. So it was a good day. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. And Jason, you know, before we get into all the football stuff, I know that you were teammates with Carl Nassib up at Penn State. And obviously his big announcement coming out, making history in a lot of ways as the first openly gay active NFL player in the league. You know, first of all, just your reaction to the news and, you know, how monumental is this for the whole league and for people who now see a role model who looks like them, feels like them and isn't ashamed to be out in the world? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's cool that Carl did that, obviously. Uh, and, and like he said in his video, hopefully it's not something that'll be uh, necessary really in the future. Yeah, I'd be happy that we're in a place that you're comfortable enough to do that and he felt comfortable enough to do it. And I'm glad his teammates are around him, supporting him. That's all we could do in this moment. Really comforting and reassuring to see the reaction around the league. And you guys, former coach James Franklin wrote the $10,000 donation to the Trevor Project. Everybody seems to be stepping up to the plate. And, you know, Cam, one of your current teammates and both your former college teammates, Saquon Barkley, coming back from the ACL, rehabbing. Uh, I'm sure, Cam, you probably saw him around the building during OTAs and minicamp. What can you tell us about Saquon and his road back right now? I can tell you Saquon's being Saquon. Saquon's doing what he does best. He's working every day. I see him doing what he has to do. And that's all I can really say on the topic. I mean, hope to see him out here when he gets out here. And Jason, you and I chatted a little bit ago, a couple months ago, and, you know, it was kind of a limbo back then about whether you were going to stay at linebacker or move back to the offensive side of the ball playing fullback. And, you know, now that you've been on the field in practice at OTAs and in minicamp, you know, you're a lead blocker in a lot of ways for DeAndre Swift this year. You know, what did you see from him a year ago as a rookie where he kind of looked like one of those guys who can be a hybrid ball carrier, pass catcher out of the backfield, all of those things. What have you seen from DeAndre Swift and how high is his ceiling this year? Yeah, Swift has a, a lot of versatility to him. There's a lot we can do with him, especially in the past game. Obviously, he's a threat there, as everybody knows. You know, any, anytime we can get him in, into open field and get in one-on-one situations, I mean, the guy can't be covered. He's going to make you miss in space. Um, and I think really his running in between the tackles this year is probably what he's going to show people the most, you know, his vision and, and, and his cutting ability. So that's kind of what I'm most excited for, is to see his maturity and, and patience while he runs this year. And that's got to make it easy for you, having a guy that sees the field so well and can make such quick decisions when you're a lead blocker. Pick a guy, stick the guy, and he's going to go pretty much, right? Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, being around him as much as I am, you know, we've developed a lot of trust between each other and kind of have come to an understanding of how we approach, you know, certain plays and, and, and schemes and stuff like that. So that help. And Cam, you know, getting to your spring and going into training camp, you're kind of in a really crowded linebacker room right now. And, you know, one of the additions the Giants made in the draft was Aziz Ojolari in round two. Some people say he's the steal of the draft, one of the better pass rushers available. You know, being around him in meetings and seeing him on the field, what were your first impressions of the new Giants outside linebacker? He's definitely a mature young man. He's he's coming into his own. You could see that. He doesn't know everything yet, but he's definitely open to learning it all, and he's open to, to growing, and I'm happy to be in the room. He's, as the time we spent together, we're starting to get a liking to him. So I'm and, 
And that room got a lot better over the offseason. I mean, Blake Martinez was there. You have Lorenzo Carter coming back, O'Shane Zimenez coming back from injury, Aziz coming in. They signed Reggie Ragland. You're a big part of that because of your versatility, being able to play inside or rush the passer off the edge. How do you stand out, and what do you feel you need to show during training camp to get and then stay on the field this year? Honestly, I mean, I got to work on what I have to what I do best, be versatile, be tall, be long, be agile, be able to run after the ball. I got to do that. And that's all I can focus on. I'm just going to make sure I can, I do my best football and I'm sure the coaches will do the work after that. And Cam, you play linebacker, Jason, you played linebacker for a very long time at, at a really high level. You know, when you look around the league right now and where the position's going, you see guys like Fred Warner, you see guys like Darius Leonard, these hybrids who can kind of drop back in coverage, but be thumpers at the line of scrimmage, you know, how do linebackers become more valuable as the game evolves? This is kind of for both of you. And how much has the position changed going into 2021 versus maybe playing linebacker when you were in high school or up in happy Valley? I think right now, you know, the game is really starting to lead towards the old college game and heavy, heavy pass. So I think right now, the linebackers who can come in and be versatile from a, a aspect of pass coverage and being able to cover tight ends, cover backs well, and even uh, be good enough to be out in the slot and do maybe some zone coverage, maybe a little bit of man out, out there um, is kind of what, what makes linebackers the most valuable nowadays is, is being able to stay on the field on third down. And Cam, for you watching the game kind of change as a young player, what do you think is the most valuable part of a linebacker's skill set in today's game? In today's game, 100%, the most valuable asset is going to be the versatility, to be able to be on the field for four downs or three downs, really. But not having to come off and be uh, just a blitzer on first and second down, not having to come off for pass coverage, wherever it may be, being able to be on that field is going to be the biggest part. And being versatile, being long enough to pass rush and being – uh, agile enough to play in coverage. I mean, I think that's the key for both sides. Doesn't get much more versatile than a guy who can play linebacker and fullback and a guy who can play inside and rush the passer. You guys can really speak to that, you know, in, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, you were both teammates at Penn State with Micah Parsons. He got picked, of course, in the first round by the Dallas Cowboys. And when you look at their front seven, you both have really interesting perspectives on this because, you know, Jason, you're going to perhaps have to block these guys. And Cam, you obviously played with Micah at, at Penn State. Um, you know, when you look at what they have with Leighton Van Der Esch, Micah, Jalen Smith, how much do you think Micah can be that do-it-all defender, that Swiss Army knife for them? And how good is that front seven going to be? Uh, I mean, I can't really speak on how good Dallas is going to be this year, but uh, I can talk for my boy, Micah. I can speak for on, on the part that I know that he's a worker. I know he's as versatile as the player I've seen. I've seen him pass rush from day one. I've seen him beat O-linemen. I've beat, beat pulling blocks, smash people in the face at the O-line. I've seen him do a lot. So I'm happy to see his growth and see what Dallas can do with him behind that front line. Yeah, and, and Jason, you know, I'd love to get your take on this as a guy who's played the position and now is on the other side of the ball, someone like Leighton Van Der Esch, because I think he's one of the more underrated front seven defenders in the whole league. You know, had an 86.8 pass rush grade, according to Pro Football Focus last year. Only had the one sack, but he generated a lot of pressure. How much and, and what exactly can a guy like Micah Parsons learn from Leighton Van Der Esch? Yeah, well, you know, Liam was a guy who came into the league and, and really, you know, his name was a guy kept being called, you know, game after game. He was making a whole lot of plays, especially, you know, early in his career. So 
from that experience standpoint, and obviously him and Jalen playing together, I'm sure there's a whole lot from a scheme st- standpoint that they can catch Micah up really quickly. Uh, you know, Micah's a, a guy who just very naturally and instinctually, he's going to go out there, he's going to make plays. But to be able to put him in the right positions, be able to make sure he's thinking the right ways in terms of the scheme and where he's supposed to be and how fast they can accelerate that uh, for him is, is going to probably determine how much production uh, he has this year. You're always good to have veterans to rely on and lean on and, and get you up to speed because everybody talks about the, the difference between going from even playing in the Big Ten or the SEC to the NFL. It's just a whole different beast. You know, and let's put you guys up on a shelf for a second. When you look across the NFL, who are some of the more underrated linebackers who could have breakout seasons this year? I'm going to say Blake Martinez. Blake yeah. Martinez is underrated. He didn't get voted to a Pro Bowl last year. And he's, I know it's a fan favorite vote. I know it's all that, but I think him being in New York and doing what he does, being the leader of the defense, his newfound defense, how he came in from Green Bay, I feel like he needs to get a little bit more respect that he does. He's a, he's a leader of men, and he, he does a great job understanding and pretty much facilitating the learning of everybody in the room. So he's a great leader. And I'm going to go with my guy, Jamie Collins, man. I know uh... – he, he was hurt at times last year, so like that. But you know, with a fully healthy season this year, you know, second year in Detroit, I think it's gonna have a really big year for us. Yeah, I, I think both those guys are. You know, they have the talent to be recognized nationally. For for whatever reason, it hasn't come yet. You know, Cam. You, you know, you look at at Blake Martinez, hundred plus tackle guy every year, respected veteran in that locker room. What did he teach you as a rookie? How did he kind of help you come up in your first season and get ready for year two? Honestly, he just helped me. He let me know that you just got to translate what the coaches are saying in your head. You can't take all of it for exactly literally. You got to try to translate, make it make sense to you. Because Blake's a smart guy. He does a lot you know, coming out of Stanford. But he's what he's disposed upon me is just knowledge like that. It's the simple things. Just making it the game simpler and learning how to slow it down. Even, even the conversations you're having, learn how to slow it down, break it down, and understand what the notes you're taking and things like that. When did it start to really click for Joe Judge last year? Because you think back to last summer, and there was some talk that he might lose that locker room before the season even began. He had guys running penalty laps, took the names off the jerseys, was a really physical training camp in a lot of ways that might have been reminiscent to to high school summer camps or college camps. But was there a moment where it clicked with Joe Judge and everybody seemed to buy in? Because by year's end, the Giants were one of the more competitive teams in the league. I can't say there was a specific moment when it clicked. I can't say that. I say it was very consistent from the beginning. We saw the type of guy he was. He was about his business, and he, he knew what it took to win, and he knows what it takes to build a team. He he brings up the examples. He shows us the little details every day like he's, and how it makes a difference. It genuinely makes a difference, and guys can believe in it, and they're not just being talked to without facts behind it. So it, it makes the whole process a little bit more believable, easier for guys to buy in easier for you guys to be a team. And the funny thing here is, Jason, your your coach is pretty similar in terms of personality. He gets up to the introductory press conference and talks about he wants guys who are going to eat bones and all those sort of things. You know, trying to craft that physical culture that Joe Judge went into training camp last year without an offseason, trying to build in New York and did a nice job of doing. You've been in the building now. You've been on the practice field now with him. Um, What are your first impressions of Dan Campbell, the head coach, on the field and in meetings, has he won over the locker room in the same way that he won over the press conference? Yeah, man, I love Coach Campbell. I love his energy. I mean, you could just tell that 
the energy around the building and just the coaching staff in general, the energy is just different. You know, it's a lot of young guys. There's a lot of guys who played, a lot of guys who've been in our seats, um, you know, guys who played and really had good careers in the NFL as well. So to have that and to truly have people who can visualize exactly what they need and have done it themselves, you know, makes a big difference. That, that player to coach connection is a whole lot better, you know, when you're able to be on that same uh, plane of thought. So, I mean, it's been great. His energy is awesome. I mean, he's the kind of guy you're going to want to run through a wall for. So I'm, I'm super excited for the season. And Cam, it seems like in New York, one of the guys that teammates can't wait to run through a wall for is Daniel Jones. And the organization goes out, they sign Kenny Galladay, who, Jason, you, you know well, they draft Kadarius Toney, they bring in Kyle Rudolph. It seems like all the pieces are there. What's the feeling and what's the excitement level inside that locker room about Daniel Jones going into this year? Honestly, it's, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's, I don't know. I fell in love with Daniel after his first week. I, I hung out with him just going through training camp, being up here last year, getting ready for training camp. He's just a different type of competitor. He's, he, I don't know. He's ambitious. He's like a, it's like a sneaky competitive almost. And a guy, he like, you know, he's very laid back. You want to lay, you're going to sleep on him, but he's going to outrun you. He's going to outbench you, do whatever he, he needs to do. Like, you know, he's going to try and compete. He's always going to, he's going to do it in a silent manner. He's going to take care of the business. So, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of Daniel Jones. You know, he's our quarterback, so I'm happy for him. Jason, what's Kenny Galladay going to mean to them? What, you know, what was his impact on the Lions and that offense in, in your time together there? Man, Kenny's a damn good player. Uh, I was he got hurt last year, wasn't able to uh, kind of go out there and, and perform. But he, he I mean, going coming out of training camp, he was looking scary. Uh, so, to that team and, and to have that number one guy, that true threat, that deep threat, the guy who can be a possession receiver, be run the whole route tree, you know, he, he, he's that guy. 50-50 uh, 50 balls, you know, he's going to go up and get it. So he, he, he's a hell of a playmaker. So he's going to do a lot over there. Jason, the last time we had you on the podcast, you hadn't been on the field yet for Jared Goff. And we weren't sure whether you were going to be in the backfield with him, if you were going to be chasing him down as a linebacker. You know, obviously you have a great relationship with Matthew Stafford and, you know, his trade really broke the internet going to the Rams. But, you know, watching Goff through this spring, does he have that next gear in the Motor City to take his game to another level? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited about Jared. Uh, I think some guys in this league really just need a, a new setting, you know, and I, I, sometimes that's all it takes to kind of get your career back going. Obviously, the potential one of the first guys that one of those hundred million, you know, contracts. The talent is there. He has all the tools, you know, it's just a matter of getting this offense down with a and just putting all the pieces together and us growing as an offense and evolving. But you now I can tell he's starting to reach another level of leadership and taking control of the offense and doing those things. So it's really nice to see. And to switch gears a little bit, you know, how does Penn State bounce back this season? You know, because you look at 0-5 last year, and I think the loss to Indiana really took the wind out of their sails, and then you saw what happened at home against Ohio State, and then it kind of snowballed. How does James Franklin get those guys back on track, and how close are they to being right back in the mix of a playoff berth, New Year's Six Bowl, all of those things? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people aren't really weighing just how much COVID, you know, affected the season and affected it, especially at the collegiate level from an aspect of time and togetherness and learning and, and, and you know, practice, all this kind of all those kinds of things. So it's, it's kind of tough. Um, you know, I'm not sure what their protocols are going to be like this year. I don't know if, you know, guys are going to be vaccinated, but I hope, you know, they can have a lot more time to install and do the things they need to do from a 
that standpoint. So the season looks a little bit normal, but you know, that definitely had a, a big effect on, on kind of last year. So. And Cam, you knew James Franklin pretty well. How tough must that have been for him? Because he seems like a guy who's usually pretty emotional on the sideline, pretty emotional in meetings. His family was living in Florida because his daughter's high risk. You know, how hard do you think that was for him last year? And how much, how much easier do you think it is for them getting back to quote unquote normal going into this fall? I'm sure it was hard for Coach Franklin. I'm sure it was hard on everybody's family involved. As COVID took a toll on all of us, and I can imagine for him being in a sensitive situation like that, it really taking a toll on him. But I can only wish him the best. And honestly, their season next year, all it is is getting back to the basics. I think they'll be all right. I think last year, when you you get trained all all summer, all winter, and then you they pull your season at the last minute, and then they try to give you a season in the middle of it. it yeah. It kind of can mess with some motivation. It can mess with kids' heads. And I'm sure it's hard for a lot of kids ever in Pennsylvania to try and go through that. Yeah, that's a great point. You think about, you know, the same sort of struggles in Michigan, the same sort of struggles, you know, down year for Michigan State, Penn State, these blue bloods. You know, Wisconsin didn't have that great of a year last year. Nebraska, you know, the, the yo-yoing of what the Big Ten did, that had to play a factor. All right, real quick, rapid-fire questions for both of you here. Cam, who wins Defensive Rookie of the Year this year and why? There you go. Slam dunk, right? All right, Jason, for you, you're on the offensive side of the ball now, a little tougher. Who's the offensive rookie of the year? Ooh, offensive rookie of the year. Who are the main candidates? Trevor. Uh, oh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence. You got the receivers, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. You got Kyle Pitts. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go Kyle Pitts. Where's Where Pitts at? Pitts yeah. in Atlanta. No more Julio. He's going to get a lot of targets. Uh, no, no, it's Calvin Ridley's time for chance. <laughs> there you go. All right. So finally, you know, Penn State wins both of you here. I'm getting you on the record, and we're going to look back at this in November, December. Penn State wins how many games this year? I'm going to, wait, I'm going to get into the college season 12. All of them. <laughs> All of them. I'm not, going, I'm not going to hang that much weight on their shoulders. I love my boys. I'm going to give them 10. They got to give me at least 10 this year, at least 10. Yeah, I think so, too. It should be a fun fall. Uh, Jason, tell me more about Being Binda. What's happening with the YouTube channel? What's next for you? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm filming my docu-series, and that's probably coming down in about a month and a half or so, kind of just diving to the life of an NFL player and kind of my adventures uh, outside and off of the field in terms of my broadcasting and my media opportunities and also investing in real estate and stuff like that. So a lot of information, a lot of cool stuff, uh, really a deep dive into just the life of an NFL player and kind of what it takes outside of just Sundays. Cause I think everybody just sees Sundays and see us play and make touchdowns, those kind of things, but they don't understand what it takes from a treatment, recovery, workout, all those kind of things to kind of make it to Sunday. So dude, when the real estate and the investment podcast and vlog hits, you got to hit me up. Cause I'm, I'm all about trying to expand your portfolio and good for you looking for other opportunities outside of the NFL. Uh, I'm going to check that one out when it goes live. I'll promise you that. Of course, he's Cam Brown. Follow him on Twitter at Freaky Number Six IX and Jason Cabinda for the Detroit Lions at Jason Cabinda. Boys, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you further up the road. No doubt. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. You got it. Good luck this season.
that was a lot of fun. And I think the Giants and Lions are both really interesting to watch going into this year. And for very similar reasons, when it comes to their head coach, we talked to Cam Brown about Joe Judge and how he really established that culture as the season went along. And the Giants finished as one of the more competitive teams in the league. And Dan Campbell is trying to do the same thing right now with the Detroit Lions. So the division in the NFC North, I think, is is a little bit more wide open, especially if Aaron Rodgers isn't quarterbacking the Green Bay Packers this fall and certainly we've talked about it ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks I think the NFC East is one of the more competitive divisions in football in 2021 and really the mirror image of what the division was last season speaking of the NFC East we're going to take your questions on the other side dive into the NFC East a little bit right here on the Matt Lombardo show inside fan-sided stacking the box podcast feed. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the -the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. All right, welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. Final Friday in the month of June. Man, time is just flying by as we record this, and training camps will open across the NFL before you know it on July 27th to 29th. That's going to be a lot of fun, and I feel like this is a great time to kind of look around the entire league, and as always, take your questions off of Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Lombardo NFL, and that's where each week you can ask your questions into the podcast, and you know, we'll answer the best ones that come across, and I want to start here from Mike Wagonman. He's at MJWags23, and Mike asks, what team that looked like they were headed in the right direction last year, Teams like the Miami Dolphins, Washington football team, Cleveland Browns, and Los Angeles Chargers are most likely to disappoint this year. And I think that's a really great question because I can make a bull and bear case for each of those teams, really. And I'll start with the Chargers because I think that they're a team that's going to take a step forward because in that division... It's really the Kansas City Chiefs and everybody else. And after what they did along that offensive line, both through free agency and in the NFL draft, and the pieces that they have around Justin Herbert, I really think Herbert steps on the field this year as a top 11 to 12 quarterback in this league and when you have that kind of a quarterback and when you show that you can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC West then I think there's a real chance the Chargers make some noise and you know make a run at the postseason this year and some of the other teams that were mentioned the Miami Dolphins I think they're a team wide open in that division. Yes, I think Buffalo stands alone as the class of the AFC East. I think the Jets are going to be better with Zach Wilson at quarterback and what they did at wide receiver going out and bringing in Corey Davis. I love what they did throughout the NFL draft on both sides of the ball. And the Bills with Josh Allen, we talked about a lot in the beginning of this show. I think they're a runaway favorite to win the AFC East and potentially go back at least to the AFC title game. They're going to have to go through the Browns, but I think the Browns and the Bills are the biggest threats 
to the Kansas City Chiefs going back to a Super Bowl. And then, of course, you have the Cleveland Browns, who they're the overall winners of this offseason, in my opinion. I love what Andrew Barry did. I love that they beefed up their defense, really followed the blueprint of what you need to go out and beat the Chiefs. They they bolstered their pass rush. They got your Devion Clowney. They addressed it in the draft. They went out. They really upgraded the back end of their defense in the secondary, kind of as a counterpunch to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So the team that I think showed a lot of promise last year, and I'm not even going to rule them out from showing promise this year and taking a step forward this year, especially with Ron Rivera at head coach and potentially some veteran stability at quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, is the Washington football team. But when you look at the teams that Mike mentioned in his question, the Chargers, the Browns, the football team, and the Dolphins, I think Washington has the best chance to take a step back only because I think the division is going to be so much better. Again, I, I really like Washington. I, I love their front seven. I think when you look at end-to-end, Chase Young anchoring the line, I think that's one of the best defensive lines in football. I think they're going to be better at quarterback. I love Antonio Gibson as kind of that dual threat, running back receiver, hybrid player who can be a real weapon. They have some, some playmakers at wide receiver. Terry McLaurin, of course, tops that list. But I, I look at that division And I think it's hard for the football team to take a big step forward. I think it's hard for them to pencil them in as a playoff team or the division champion when everybody else in the NFC East got better this offseason as well. And that leads us to the next question from at Wilmo Turner. And Wimmy Ladd is his name. And Wimmy asks, who's your pick to win the NFC East and why is it the New York Giants? And listen, I like the Giants. I like what they did this offseason. They did what they had to do. They spent the money to go out and get Kenny Galladay. They brought in competition for Evan Ingram and a legitimate red zone weapon for Daniel Jones, bringing in Kyle Rudolph. They brought back Leonard Williams. They brought in Adoree Jackson to plug their most gaping need in the secondary opposite a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback in James Bradbury. I think they have a playoff roster from top to bottom. I really do. But it's all about Daniel Jones and how far can Daniel Jones take them. And I look at that division, and again, I've said it before, I'll say it again right here, I think it's a three-team race to 10 wins. Dallas got significantly better on defense. They realized that they needed to upgrade there. And they drafted Micah Parsons in the first round. They added six defenders, I believe it was, in the NFL draft. They got better on the defensive side of the ball. They have Dak Prescott back. They have all the weapons in the world with C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper to be a dynamic, high-flying, high-powered offense. And I look at Washington, and they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball as well. I think it's a three-team race. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are probably a year or two away from being in that mix. So if I put all of the NFC East teams in a hat, and again, if the Eagles take a step forward and Jalen Hurts proves he can be a top 15 or so quarterback and he has Miles Sanders and he has Devonta Smith and he has Jalen Rager and he has Dallas Goddard, you know, they have the pieces there as well. Nick Sirianni seems like a really fascinating young head coach with a bright offensive mind. But I don't know that they have the same talent level across the board, top to bottom, as the Cowboys, the football team, and the Giants do. And if you twisted my arm here, if we looked ahead to the season on June 25th, and you asked me to make my pick for the NFC East, again, I fall into this trap almost every year just looking at all the shiny toys and all the shiny weapons in Dallas. 
But I think the Cowboys are the favorite here. I look at Dak Prescott. He's the best quarterback in the division. Daniel Jones might make a case to surpass him this year, but Jones has to learn to protect the football. They need to figure out how to average more than 17 and a half points per game in New York. I think they will getting Saquon Barkley back and, and adding all of the weapons to Jones's arsenal that they did throughout this offseason. But I just think the Cowboys have too high powered of an offense, got too much better on defense not to be considered a prohibitive favorite. And this kind of ties into two questions that came across in the mailbag this week that I look at the Washington football team. Can they win 11 or 12 games? Sure. Can the Dallas Cowboys win 11 or 12 football games? Yeah, absolutely. But this division, the NFC East, I think they're going to beat each other up. And it's not going to be to the point where a 7-9 and nine team makes the playoffs as the division champion again. I think it's going to take at least 10 or 11 wins. And I think the Cowboys are best positioned on both sides of the ball. Now, Mike McCarthy might hold them back. Mike McCarthy needs to prove that he can be more innovative as a play caller, that they can close out games. How many fourth quarter shootouts early in the year before Dak got hurt did the Cowboys come up short in last year? They need to figure out how to win, how to win those close games and close out these teams. I think they will. I think they have the pieces in place. So twist my arm on June 25th. The Dallas Cowboys win the NFC East, followed by the Giants, followed by the football team, followed by the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles might win seven games. They're going to be better this year. They're going to make strides. They're going to take steps forward. I just don't think their roster is in the same place as the other three teams in the division. Of course, before we get out of here, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the biggest story in the NFL this week. And an argument can be made that it's the biggest story in the NFL in recent years. And that's Carl Nassib coming out as the first openly gay active NFL player in the league. And first of all, kudos, congratulations, and a word of appreciation for Carl Nassib feeling comfortable enough and showing the strength to reveal his truth. And as someone who has a member of their family in the LGBTQ community and several gay friends, it's really heartening to see Nassib feel comfortable enough knowing that he can come out as gay, that he can live his truth openly, and just to see where we are as a society with James Franklin, as we touched on earlier, writing the $10,000 check to the Trevor Fund, which helps prevent LGBTQ youth from committing suicide. The league matching Carl Nassib's $100,000 donation to the Trevor Fund. It's just really encouraging to see that we're now at a society that is in a place where people can feel comfortable living in their own skin, not feeling banished to the darkness of a closet, not feeling like they need to live a lie, not feeling they need to be someone or pretend to be someone that they're not. And Carl Nassib, not only with his donation of $100,000 to help prevent suicides among youth, gay, lesbian, queer, and transgender people, is, isn't just helping that community in a real tangible regard, He's now a role model for people who feel uncomfortable living in their own skin, that even as someone who's going to be in an NFL locker room, one of the more testosterone-driven environments in the entire world, if Carl Nassib can feel comfortable in that setting, then they can feel comfortable in their lives. And I, I just think it's great what Carl Nassib was able to do. I fully support 
him coming out and living his truth, and even more so than wishing Carl Nassib luck, I'm really overwhelmed seeing the NFL community rally around Carl Nassib, the Penn State community rally their support around Carl Nassib, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, tweeting his support of Carl Nassib. And I just think that what Nassib was able to do, it, it opens a door, opens a pathway for so many people to live a better life that it's really inspiring to see, and I applaud his bravery and wish him best of luck. Thanks a lot for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed the program, please go ahead in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and subscribe to the Stacking the Box NFL podcast. You get Stacking the Box on Tuesdays and, of course, the Matt Lombardo Show on Fridays. If you love what you hear, please go ahead and leave those five-star reviews. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. It helps us grow the show. Thanks, as always, to Fansided's Cole Thompson, once again, an instrumental, integral part of this podcast making it to you each and every week really appreciate cam brown of the new york football giants and jason cabinda of the detroit lions dropping by thanks again for listening and follow me on twitter at matt lombardo nfl i'm matt lombardo enjoy your week i'll talk to you next friday right here on the matt lombardo show inside fansided's stacking the box podcast feed jamie's log progressive the harrington's backyard day four two eighteen a.m I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.